Well, good morning to you. I hope my microphone comes on. Are we on? I can't hear me. Oh. Well, good morning. Unless you've been living under a rock, um, which I hope you're not, uh, we all know that the information age that we live in and the world has plenty to say about what's right, what's wrong, what's acceptable, what's not. Uh, they even start telling you what's needed to draw a crowd, to keep people's attention. Uh, recently, Microsoft just conducted a study, and they said that the average human's attention span unfortunately has declined, and it has gone from 12 seconds in the year 2000 to eight seconds. Now, this may not have some relativity to you yet, but they say the average goldfish's attention span is nine seconds. <laughs> you see, if it isn't flashing on fire or uh, shareable in a 15-second TikTok, uh, we're not probably going to grab somebody's attention in our generation. That's what they say. And as a result, we see these types of thoughts and notions pushing their way even into church. What's necessary to grow a church? What's necessary to keep people's attention? I think what you need is a, a better speaker than me. You need a powerful name. If you get a powerful name in your church, your church will grow. Or maybe you need a better band, a professional band with lights that rival Hollywood. Some of our churches already have that. Do you know that? And they think that maybe this is what will draw a crowd and keep attention. But what does the Bible say about this? Well, Jesus said something very interesting. This isn't our church anyway. According to Matthew 16, 18, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whose church is this anyway? This is Jesus' church. And he actually gave us some instructions about how to do church. In fact, there are five priorities that have come out. And if we really want to be a church that does church God's way and accomplishes what he says church should accomplish, maybe we should pay attention to what Scripture says. Well, back in 1989, I don't know if you know this, but that's when our former uh, founding and senior pastor, Philip Howard, really worked hard to synthesize why do we do church anyway? And he came up with the five E's. Anybody heard of the five E's? Yes, a few of you. A few of you need to probably now learn about the five E's because we're going to be talking about that. And it's interesting that Pastor Rick Warren in his book, The Purpose Driven Church, came up with the same five. Now, he called them something different because he didn't have the same uh, desire to do alliteration that our senior pastor did. Our senior pastor loved alliteration. That means everything has to start with the same letter. And he does that. You know why he does that? Does anybody know why he does that? It's to help us remember it. Because I can give you five words that mean the same thing as our five E's, but it would make it harder to memorize. But when we do our five E's, you can tell, okay, it starts with an E and it does this. Okay, great. That's why 
Philip alliterated. And the, the first, um, I have to say, the five purposes are what we want to do. That's what we're about. And the first of the five E's is actually exalt. To exalt the name of Jesus Christ in worship, in praise, in all we do. Everything this church does should exalt the name of Jesus. It's the overarching E, if you will. All the E's are important. You can't do any one of them off balance. It's like Jesus says, he's full of grace and truth. Jesus wouldn't have been Jesus if he was just graceful and never truthful. And he wouldn't be Jesus if he was so cruel to just do the truth and not grace. We need to have all of these E's in balance in our church. But the overarching one at the top is to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Secondly, we promote and exalt Christ by evangelizing the lost and telling others about him. If we're really exalting him, we're really proud of him. We want to share him with others. The third thing we do is we show Jesus' love if he's that good, we want to share his love with others who put faith in him and enfold them in care. That's what third E is, enfold. The fourth E, we exalt people. If Jesus is so important, we better listen to what he says and we better teach others to obey all that he has commanded us. That's what Matthew 28 says, right? So that's why we equip people. The fourth E. And the fifth and final E is really if we're really about his business, we need to be enlisted to serve. Jesus Christ came not to be served, but to serve. So those are our five. We're going to, I want you to know, people have asked me, why are we here? What's Valley Bible Church going to be about now that Philip has left? Uh, what are we going to do? What are we even doing here? Well, we are committed to the same five purposes. Therefore, we will exalt Christ. We will evangelize the lost. We will enfold fellow believers. We will equip them to do the work of the ministry. And four, we will enlist them into the army of God to serve him. That's what Valley Bible Church is going to be about. Over the next 10 weeks, Pastor Larry and Pastor Todd and I are going to really just address those topics of what the church should be and answer the question that's part of our series title, why are we even here? I don't mean why are you alive on earth. I mean why is the local church even here and why are you in it? I hope we can answer that for you. And this morning, we're going to start off with the first E, exalt. So open your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to read the same passage. I'm so thankful that God speaks to different people different ways. But Psalm 34, verse 3. And let's read. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name all by ourselves. Together. Together. Well, this is the word of the Lord. Well, as we begin, I believe it's important for us to first understand what are we talking about when we use these terms and the term exalt. 
Now, as I mentioned, the exalting, exalting Christ is an overarching term, but it means more to our five E's than just the exalt, because there's words like exalt and praise and worship, and we believe all of those fit under our E of exalt. And you might be using these terms interchangeably, or you may not even know how to use these terms. But, you know, exalt... How should I say this? Exalt is a term that really means to lift up, to promote. Can you promote anything without bragging about it? You really can't. Well, I want you to buy these tires I had. I really don't like them, but, you know... Is that your promotional spiel for your tires? You might want to say, man, I get great mileage. They never wear out. They don't go flat. You brag on them. That's to promote, to exalt. And we want to understand another thing about Jesus's exaltation. In Philippians chapter 2, we read this in verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are on heaven and earth and under the earth. See, God has already raised the name of Jesus and Jesus to the exalted position that he's in. There is no position higher in the universe than Jesus's. None. And do you know what? When we exalt him, we don't lift him any higher. He can't get higher. We're just acknowledging. My brother Chuck Latabodier says, you know, it's our privilege to be able to shine a spotlight when we exalt him on his exalted position. That's what we do when we exalt. We live our lives. We use words that dedicate and promote his exalted position. We say, he is preeminent. He is in charge. He is at the top. We're not. Now, sometimes we like to think we're on top. And sometimes we even act like we're on top. But that doesn't change his exalted position because that's a done deal. He's already got the position. Now, it's interesting we uh, not only exalt with our words. See, when we come here and say, I exalt you, really that's not just me saying um, he is exalted. What means is I'm a committing myself to exalting him. My life will exalt him. My words will exalt him. My behavior will exalt him. If you look at me, my life should actually reflect what? That he is in charge. If you say to me, I exalt the Lord, and you live like the devil, I doubt your words. Because what you're saying is, he's not worth living for. He's not worth obeying. He's not really in charge. But my mouth might say it. So let's just come, what about praise? How is praise different? And how is praise and worship different? Because I believe when we talk about exalt in our five E's, we're talking about all three of these things. See, you might heard the difference between praise and worship and exalt. Well, exalt is all we do and say that demonstrates the truth of Jesus' preeminence. Can you hear that? It's what we do and say 
that demonstrate we believe and we will live as though Jesus is preeminent, as in charge. But praise is really different. I think uh, praise is simply the joyful recounting of who God is and all God has done for us. Done for us. See, praise is one of the things we can do to exalt God and lift Him up. Throughout the Bible, you know there are commands throughout that tell us to praise Him. In fact, Scripture says that angels, heavenly hosts, all the inhabitants of the earth are commanded to praise the Lord. Now, it's interesting, too. How do you praise the Lord? Well, it says here in singing, Psalm 9, with shouting, Psalm 98. I don't hear a lot of shouting. Do you hear a lot of I mean, maybe you've gone to a church. Have you been to a church where they're shouting? They're saying, God is good. See, and I'll talk a minute that saying praise the Lord doesn't actually really praise him. Did you know that? Saying I exalt you doesn't actually actually exalt him. I got to take a side here. When I say praise the Lord, I'm saying I'm committing myself to praise the Lord, but I haven't yet done it. If I came up to you and said, I want to praise my wife. Oh, Diana, I praise you. She'd look at me and say, why? <laughs> right? If you apologize to someone and say, I'm sorry. For what? For what? Well, because you're such a jerk and I, I, I lost my temper. No, that, that's, not a, that's not an apology, right? They wouldn't accept that. Well, how about when we confess, when 1 John 1, 9 says we are to confess our sins to the Lord, does he expect us to say, Lord, I'm sure somewhere along the line I've sinned, so I'm just coming before you to confess my sin. Is that what God's talking about? No, he says when we confess our sins, we're telling him, I agree with you. What I did was wrong. And I want to do it right. And you have to name the sin. But he says if you do, he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Okay, so what happens when we praise him? Now we're doing the same thing. I praise you. I praise you. I've been guilty of this my whole life. Someone tells me something wonderful and I say, praise the Lord. Like that did it. No, what I should be saying is praise the Lord for his goodness in your life. Praise the Lord how he delivered you. Have you looked at the song of Moses in Exodus? And they praised him. He threw down horse and rider. He divided the sea. He, there's a list of things that they're praising God for. This is how we should be living our lives. When we praise God, let's have some things to praise him for. Right. Don't just say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's really Christian speak. Let's actually do what the words say. How about worship? Well, worship is different. When the Bible mentions worship, the tone of the psalm, of the, of the word changes. Because when we're praising, we're supposed to praise him with cymbals, praise him with drums, praise him with shouts, praise him with dancing. In fact, Jesus said, if we wouldn't praise him, what would happen? Even the rocks would cry out. This universe is dying to praise its creator. It's just been thrown into turmoil because of sin. 
And only those who are fully redeemed now understand He is worthy of our praise. I want to praise Him. And I want to list why I'm praising Him. But worship is different. It actually requires our heart. Jesus said in John 4, it's the Spirit. We need to worship in spirit. Um, it says in Psalm 96, Come, let us worship and bow down. Often worship is coupled with the act of bowing, kneeling, humility, contrition. We worship because he created us to worship. Now, he not only commands our worship, but you know that every human on this planet was designed to worship? Now, I'm not going to quote some famous song reader, uh, writer, you've got to serve someone. Uh, everyone will worship something. Every one of you will worship something. You might say, I'm not a worshiping type. Oh, yes, you are. God made you to. The t problem is, if it's not the true God, it's any one of a thousand or more false gods. This culture right now has worship centers in many, 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 many areas. How about the worship of money, the worship of power, of fame, of celebrities, of television, of social media, of sex, of family, of hobbies, of ambition, of education, of sports. None of these will ever satisfy or give you eternal life, but you might bow at that altar to worship. And what does that mean? That means you're dedicating your life. You're devoting your time. You're saying that everything else in your life is going to take a back seat to this. God said there's only one. Jesus in Matthew 4 quoted Deuteronomy 6. And he says, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him mostly. Only. Not serve him primarily. Are you hearing me? Not, I think I have a divided heart at times. Why? Because there's some things in life I kind of really enjoy doing. And maybe what, is that, what happens if that conflicts with going to church or reading my Bible? What's really important? Uh, it, do I need to check my news feed or read my Bible in the morning before work? Well, we know what's best for us, but our appetites will draw us to what we value. And God says, wait a minute, wait a minute. You cannot serve more than one thing and worship more than one thing. He says, you cannot serve two masters. It's going to be, going to be a Lord Jesus that we exalt and praise and worship, or it's going to be something else that we put on the throne of our life for that moment. Now, we are fickle people. Because I think at times we put Jesus squarely on the throne. But it may be five minutes or five hours later and all of a sudden he's kind of moved aside and something else takes its place. That's not how we should live. God says worshiping and exalting him is not only just something we do, it's who we are. It's who he is. It's recognizing, did he become less worthy? Did he become less exalted just because we're divided? No. Well, because we need to worship from our spirit. We need to worship. And you know, worship is harder than praise. Did you know that? Why? Let me, let me tell you why I think that is. 
You, you can praise football players. You can praise actors. You can praise your family members. You don't have to like them. You don't have to want to be like them. But when you see something amazing, you can give them praise. Hey, great job on those straight A's. Do I like your lifestyle? No, but I can praise, and praise can roll easier because it's a statement of fact. Isn't that what praise is? It's stating facts. And so praising God is stating facts about God. We should, how many facts do you know about God that you could praise? Maybe that's the problem. When the psalmist says, and do not forget all his benefits, this is a food for our praise. But let me go on. Why is worship harder? Because it comes from the core of who we are. It requires us to humble ourselves. Um, it's an attitude of the heart. You can go through the outward motions and never have your heart humbled. See, God sees our heart. And he knows what we're really doing. Worship requires us to stop worshiping ourselves and worship him. That's harder than just praising something. Taking yourself off the throne of your life is the heart of worship. You can only worship one thing at a time. And God says it's to be him alone. Alone. Well, I think there's one other thing we, I want to cover here. I hope we understand that Scripture clearly commands all of us to exalt, to promote, to brag on, to live our lives that say that He is the preeminent one, He is in charge, and my life is going to exalt Him no matter where I am, no matter what I'm saying, no matter where, what I'm doing, I should be living. So people look at Him and say, that person's Lord is Jesus. I can tell because we're promoting Him. We're saying He is wonderful to follow. He's wonderful to serve. He's wonderful to worship. He's wonderful to praise. And we must praise him. Think, people, think of the things he has done and the things he is that are praiseworthy. Is he faithful? Is he good? Has he ever let you down? See, when you praise him, it says God inhabits the praises of his people. You want to have God close to you? Praise Him. It doesn't say God inhabits the grumbling of His people, the whining of His people. So many times I think God's far from me because I am grumbling and whining. But when I praise, He comes right into my life and heart and I worship and I bow and I put Him as number one. But what I would say is, you may be asking yourself, I get it, we all should worship, we all should praise, he's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. But why should we do it together? You might be asking, why should exalting, praising, and worshiping be a priority of his church? I'll, I'll just say, I'm glad you asked. You may have heard it said that our Sunday services have been called worship services. And this is by design. 
Our services have been designed and are intended to lead us to exalt Christ together through worship, through praise. We worship and praise Him as we sing songs. Did you know that? We worship and praise Him as we give our tithes and offerings. We worship and praise Him as we listen to the Word. Did you know that when you listen to the Word of God, one of the things you're doing is telling God you're worth listening to. You're worshiping even while you're listening to me talk about this precious book. Because what God says is important to us. And we say, you know what, Lord? You're worthy of being listened to. I will hear what you have to say. That's worship. Declaring him worthy. Well, we also worship him by praying. See, I just think we worship him as we humbly bow down before him and say, wow, Lord, you are so, so good and worthy. But why together? We're going to look at some verses, and as we look at them, I want you to listen with your spiritual ears and see if you can hear the truths from God's Word for yourself on why are we even here and why should we exalt? Why should we worship together? Not just why you should do it in your life. I mean, is anybody arguing the fact that you should worship God somewhere? No. The question is, is why do we have to do it here? Why should that be a priority of his church? Um, can't you just do these things on your own? Maybe at home? Uh, maybe you've said to yourself, I think the same ends will be met if I just watch online and I'll exalt God in my living room. Or maybe I'm watching on my tablet in the woods as I go camping and that'll be the same. That'll have the same outcome, the same effect. God's word tells us you're wrong. That's not true. So let's look at these next five verses and listen about what God says we need to do to be together to worship. The verse again, listen with different ears. Psalm 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. How about Colossians 3, 16? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. How about Psalm 149, 1? I like this verse really in the King James because it says this. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise is in the congregation of the saints. Where? Mm-hmm. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, when you assemble, what do you mean? How about if you assemble? 
Now, when you assemble, each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a word, a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things done be done for edification. Now, we got five verses here. And in one sense, I would just put in front of you, we don't have to go any further. Do we? Why we should meet to exalt and worship and sing his praises it's commanded. Right. We should be done, right? Um, all five of these verses state that God's design for his church is his expectation, his desire. What he says is best for us is to meet together and do these things. Amen. So, that's not online. That's not via television. That means right here for us at 1477 Willow Avenue. And for your church, wherever it might be, it's where that is. And it's true for all people all around the globe for all time. Now, if that's true, that our corporate worship is commanded, and it is, what other reasons should I or you need to just simply obey and do what the Bible says. Well, before I spank anybody here, my, my goal is not to do that because all of you that are here today have already made the decision that being in the house of the Lord is a priority for you. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. You listened to his voice. But even so, as I speak, I'm hoping that the message today encourages you with reminders of some of the many reasons God will tell us it's so worth it not to miss. And lest you're tempted in the future to make a decision that it's all the same anyway, it's not. So thank you for being here. But And before you think I'm being unreasonable, I, I know that there are many reasons that keep people away from church legitimately um, there's emergencies there's um, illness, there's infirmity travel employment um, in fact I think there's many brothers and sisters that we have in our church today who would desperately prefer to be with us right here right now than where they are maybe at home or in a hospital in a sick bed they would love to be here but God, in his sovereignty, has ordained that that's where they should be this morning. We trust God and his plan. But we must continue to pray for them when they're not here, to encourage them, and we shouldn't forget them. So people that are not here and cannot come, we love you. We wish you could come. We don't want you to feel guilty about any of this. We want you to know we love you. We're going to pray for you. And that God could restore you so that you could rejoin the house of the Lord. But there's another group. They're from Valley and from all over the globe who are not sick, not unable, but just have made a decision not to worship and exalt the Lord with the congregation of the saints on Sunday. And they might even believe you might even believe, if you're watching online, that worshiping alone or online is actually the same as worshiping here. 
but we're going to read that's not. And I find it's important to recognize in Hebrews chapter 10, one of the verses we read, it says, not forsaking the assembling of one for another as is the habit of some. Why did he write that? Was it because they were lazy? Uh, Because they had better things to do to go to the chariot races? No. What was going on in the church right then? Persecution. Putting your head too high puts you in the gun sights of Rome. If you joined into a house church, that meant you are not exalting Caesar as Lord, you're exalting Christ as Lord. And God was saying, look guys, I know, I'm not naive, I know it's dangerous to put your head above ground. It's a lot safer to stay home, out of the line of sight, so no one sees you. Nobody knows you're worshiping me. But it's not good for you. It's not good for you. Do not stay home even for safety's sake. Now that's interesting. I mean, there are situations in our life, and I think we did the right thing actually to stand down for a period when there's a pandemic. They weren't saying you couldn't worship God. They weren't saying you can't exalt Jesus Christ. They're just saying, I think we can stop a communicable disease if we just separate for a little bit and get back on track. I'm not sure they were right. I'm not sure they were wrong. But we have Bible verses that says we should obey our government as long as it's not telling us to disobey God. And I think we did that. And I think our country actually pulled out of a dive for a while. It might be going back in one. I don't know. But God might put some circumstances in our life that are just as terrible. I don't know that either. But when we have the choice, our choice Safety or any other reason is to meet because God said so. Are you hearing me? God says it's better for you. Now we're going to study some of those things because I have to say, I don't think you think this way, some of you, that being with the saints each Sunday and worshiping and exalting Jesus together may be one of the most important things we can ever do in our week or in our year, in our life because it plays an indispensable role in protecting us, motivating us, encouraging us, serving us, lighting the spiritual fires in our heart, reigniting us for Christ, putting us on new direction, reorienting our vision that anything we can do I, I don't know if you know that there are many companies that hold rallies. Are you aware like of an Amway rally? Ever heard of those? Why do they do that? Because the synergy and the, and the temperature of the group goes up. See, corporate worship brings us together that we might have our temperature brought up for Christ. He's worthy. Well, one of the things, too, that... I, I know many times God doesn't tell us why he commands things. And sometimes he does. Now, in this case, he has given us a few. But have you ever considered in Exodus chapter 29, he says this. He's trying to get Aaron prepared to be a priest. He says, you shall slaughter the ram, take some of its blood, put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear on the lobes of his son's right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. What? Why would he do that? That makes a lot of sense, right? Everybody knows how that prepares you for priesthood, putting blood on your right big toe. 
He didn't tell Moses why. He just wanted Moses to obey. But he has told us some things. And I just want to share a few of those right now. We have a few minutes to share them. I think there are four things that we should keep in mind why God says it's better for you to be here in worship than you could ever be by yourself. One, corporately exalting and worshiping God reorients my heart and my perspective. You know, often on a Sunday, we come in here in a spiritual fog. We've been disoriented by the events of a week. It's a tough week. The world's been lying to us all week. We need some clarity. We need some additional insight from God. Martin Luther found this to be true in his life. And he, I quote him, At home, in my own house, there was no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart and it breaks its way through. The psalmist in Psalm 73 said essentially the same thing. Psalm 73 says, I was despairing. I almost fell when I considered the wicked. The wicked seem to get ahead and the righteous do not. God, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't pay to serve you because the wicked are better. And it says that his vision was cleared up in verse 16 and 17. Where did he go to get that vision cleared up? Was it in his morning devotionals? It says this, When I pondered to understand why the wicked were getting ahead, it was troublesome in my sight until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. He said, you know what, Lord? I used to think they were getting ahead, but I can see now they are doomed. I'm the one that's blessed. Even though my life might be in shambles right now in this earthly world, I am blessed beyond belief because I'm heading to a heavenly home. This is where you get your eyesight corrected in the house of God. Hasn't that been true for us as well? Haven't you felt like at times that you wanted to stay home and you said, eh, I don't really want to go. But when you came, what happened? You're so glad you came. I've never not been glad I came, no matter how I felt before I tried to drive here. Satan will lie to you. He will tell you it's not worth being here. You can get the same thing online. No, you cannot. The word of God says, no, you cannot. How about number two? It restores our hope and courage. You know, we often might admire people, lone wolves, people that stood alone against the country or the world, like Martin Luther or Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, but God said it's not good for man to be alone. In fact, these heroes were products of their environment, but we have to remember, no matter how history characterizes them, they were never really alone. And we read from Luther, he had people that he met with that inspired his heart, that kept him in the battle, that gave him renewed hope and courage. It wasn't a losing fight. God was on his side. Remember Elijah? He was ready to sit in a cave and whine. And he says, I am the only one left. And God says, wait a minute, wait a minute, Elijah. 
There's over 7,000 that have never bowed the knee to Baal and worship me. You're not alone, Elijah. And this is what he wants you to know. You are not alone. No matter what this world tells you, no matter how odd this world thinks you are, you are not alone. This community is here to reinforce that in your heart, that we exalt the name of Jesus Christ, and you are not alone. This world will steal your joy. But when we come here, we want to be together because we encourage one another. We support one another. Just the very fact we're singing the same song to the same Savior, it encourages our hearts. Well, there's something else here too. Do you know that God uses examples in Scripture that one coal by itself will go out pretty quickly? And you know, one coal by itself will never be as hot, no matter how much you blow on it, as a bed of coals. And just like that coal, if we isolate ourselves, our spiritual temperature, our spiritual fervor, our spiritual passion will diminish quickly. But in the bed of the congregation of the saints, it will be renewed and re-energized and restored. We won't fade quickly. In fact, has anybody ever watched a nature show? And uh, what happens to the sheep that decides to go rogue? It's the one picked off. And Jesus says, you're a part of his flock. Stay together. Stay together. Well, I need to move quickly. Third one, corporately exalting and worshiping God it grows us, it matures us, and transforms us. Did you know that you don't just have to take home message points from the sermons or songs that are sung and work on them all week to let God change you? Tim Keller says, our sanctification can happen on the spot. As we sit under gospel preaching and engage in corporate worship, there are times and may God make them many, when the Holy Spirit takes the scripture read, the prayer spoken, the chorus is sung, the truth preached, and presses it right into our hearts right at the moment. You will not get the same impact of conviction at home as you will in the congregation of the saints. It won't mean the same thing to you. But God can change you right and change me. It's just like what we think. When you're at home, you could pick what you want to read, pick what you want to listen to, how many breaks you want to take in the service, pause online, go get a cup of coffee, pause, get your waffle, pause. The conviction that you will receive in that event will be nothing like what you will receive from the Lord Jesus if you're here. Nothing like it. And I think that's the fourth point. The fourth point is God wants to give you something you don't even know you need. Because when you're home, you set the stage for your own agenda and your own time and your own world and your own needs as you see them. When you come here, do you pick the songs? No. Do you pick the passage? No. God has something to tell you that you didn't even know. You didn't even know how to ask for it. But coming here and having that saint come up to you and give you that encouraging word you didn't even know you needed. You will be changed by coming to this place.
Well, I just want us to know that this is not an option for us people. This is our life. This is what God says will help us survive the challenges of this world. And we won't do it alone. So I hope you've got an appreciation. You can at least say with me, yep, I agree. Doing online church or doing church in the wild is not the same as being with the saints. God's word promises that it's not. And it's a commandment to be here. I don't want to hit people with the commandment. I want to give you the delight. The delight of being here is I get changed. Have you ever been to a church service? And someone asks you later who didn't come, so how was it? What was it like? And you go, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, the music was good, but that wasn't it. The preaching was okay, but that wasn't it. The prayers, yeah, I liked them. You just had to be there. The presence of God fell on this place and changed our hearts. That is what church is all about. We want the presence of the living God and our Lord Jesus Christ that we exalt to come and be with us right here. And so when you get home, you have to tell somebody, well, how was it? I don't know if I can explain it to you, man. I wish you would have been there because I, I just can't explain it. You had to be there. You had to be there. And I think God is telling us, don't miss. I, I don't want to admit my own failing, but I remember one time I, I didn't come to an evening service because evening services that we used to have every week, you know, I just kind of went, okay, I'm, I'm just staying home. And wouldn't you know, fire fell from heaven and I missed one of the best services that I'm, I'm sure that we'd had in a while. And I said, well, thank you, Lord, for reinforcing my selfishness didn't accomplish my own ends. I just hope you can, this week, know that you were designed to be part of a body. You might be an ear. You might be a foot. You might be a leg, arm. We cannot operate as a healthy body if you're not here. The body needs to be together. And when the body is together, it is powerful. It is powerful. We will change our world just by coming. Did you know that just by coming, you're living out one of the things we said we should do is you're saying, my time is available to you because you are worthy. I will obey you because you are worthy. Your word is true. I will obey you because you're worthy. Your being here just confirms that you want to exalt Christ. I thank you for being here. I hope those that are not able to be with us know that we love them. I hope those that are not here by choice know they're missing out. You really need to be here. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Father, I'm so weak at explaining your greatness, but we want to promote and lift up and exalt the name of Jesus in this place. Valley Bible Church is committed. Its leadership is committed. Its pastors are committed to obeying your word and lifting up the name of Jesus Christ alone. We are committed, Father, to following your way 
to obeying your word. We want, Father, to do church together, just like you said. Would you allow every one of your sheep to hear your voice, calling them back to the fold, and say, even if it might not be as safe, even if it might not be as comfortable, convenience does not make it equal. Let them come and rejoin wherever they are on this planet and whatever church they attend, let them rejoin the congregation of the saints that we might sing your praises together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.